Ooh, I don't know why we have not greenlit this idea yet, but we've said we want to do a Friday night MMA show. Let us do Friday night cuts or Thursday night cuts. FX, Fox, Raph and I will interview the fighters. It'll be great, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier uh, from outside the cage, at least post-weight cut. I'm your host, Kevin, with me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, Chris Cyborg made some serious headlines with that weight cut. How are you doing after having seen it? I know that it looked ghastly. And I know that later she was saying that it had a little bit of things to do. Oh, by the way, it's good to talk to you, too. Um, she was saying was it sitting had... Sitting in a pocket sauna. We got to get right to this. No, I Those understand. pictures were bleak. She was making mention a little bit later the fact that she was on her menstrual cycle. So let's just get that out of the way real quick. I can't imagine. Uh-huh. To fight on top of... Mm-hmm. No, thanks. That a thing. infection right now, and I'm done. My favorite is that we had people on Twitter asking me what I thought that did to affect her weight cut. And I was like, how the fuck would I know? First, I've never made a weight less cut. fun. Yeah. And second of all, never had that as an issue. So couldn't tell you as an actual expert. But if she's telling me it's probably hard for her, so it is. So well, I'm I guess glad my- you asked and let me explain how periods work in pain. Absolutely. Let me go ahead and speak to you as a... I have some serious opinions. The Let's confident... out here. <sighs> Expert okay. opinion. Um, Kev, so you saw the knockout of one uh, Chris Cyborg to a uh, Swedish lady, right? Lena Landsberg, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know why kept taking me on like, a, oh, Lena Landsberg. Lena mm-hmm. Landsberg has a very nice ring to it. More she importantly, hard, she said she had the time of the life, Kevin. <laughs> I'm glad she did. I hope she did. I was so terrified for her. We're going to talk about Risen next, but I feel when I'm watching Chris Cyborg, and I guess I agree with Joe Rogan's later comments that they need to create a featherweight division, she looks like she's a different species than the people she's fighting. Yes. She's bigger. You know, Props she is bigger, correct. That's an insane cut. It's just, uh, I love that she sent the pictures. I think more fighters should do this. And... That was a pretty vicious knockout. All right. So you want to know some background info? All right. Let's talk about some background info. Let's talk about this. The fact that when she did get backstage, she was saying this because they were asking her, you made 140, but it looked like it was really rough. And for her credit, she was definitely doing a good job of downplaying like, oh, it's fine. Uh, It's fine. It's fine. And they asked her about the whole videos following her backstage. And she's like, I really just wanted to have people see what it's like to cut, to really get a behind-the-scenes look at it. Then after that, they asked the UFC guy, because I don't know his name, but the guy who was holding the press conference, the main guy in charge. And they said, well, what do you think about her at 140? Is that where you see her? And I thought that she had a real eloquent response in her post-interview in the Octagon where she just goes, you know what? I have two titles at home. I'm just going to try and give the fights that my fans want to see. So that means super fights. So when she uses the word super fights, it seems that she cares not about a title that seems far out of her reach in terms of making weight. She just wants to make exciting fights, perhaps maybe one with Ronda or any of the other ones that the UFC might want to make. Now, Kev, the nice wiggle room in that statement is this. It means she may not have to make weight. Because they seem to be asking her, the guy in charge, 
uh, or the guy in charge, they were like, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that she's going to continue to make this weight? And he's like, you know, I'm going with her statement. We just want to make super fights. I Do like you feel it. that's the right course of action? Uh, that works for me, but I guess I just don't understand why they wouldn't create a fight division around her. It's kind of what they did around Ronda Rousey. And it's not like Ronda was this great 160-pound fighter. They were like, well, 135 is where it's at. That's what she <laughs> fought at. They built a division around her, and now it's successful. It's thriving. It's amazing. There's a 115-pound division. Why not go up? You have the fighter to build it around. Build it. But so I'm in on super fights too. I just that weight cut does not look reasonable. And no. I'm sure she was that's the point she was making. I understand it's like, oh, I just wanted people to see it. Yeah. Why did you want people to see it? Because it's so glamorous and it's as mm-hmm. fun as watching you train? No. She looked bad. She looked sick. And you posted a picture that was like, she looks horrible. We're not talking like aesthetically. She doesn't look good. We're saying physical health. Yeah. That looks like a person that's going to collapse at any minute. Yep. So that's on the one side. But I feel like if you talk about her, because let's let's do them both at the same time. Uh, you had a lot of people talking shit about the appearance of her and then Gabby Garcia. I think they're kind of putting them in the same realms of like, well, they're both just ginormous beasts, which I feel is a bad trend in MMA in general. Do you feel this as well? Yes. Okay, why do you feel this? One, Maybe I don't. I don't think people stop and articulate their. I think they oversexualize the women in this sport. They, I think, too many people, men especially with the masculine culture we have, at least ten percent of them oversexualize too fast. Because I love the fact that it's like, don't yeah, Gabby Garcia. If you want to talk about it on a factual scale, is big. Let's just say that. Um, But I love the fact when people chime in with the Deuce Bigelow, that's a big bitch. And it's like, would you say that to her face? Because I wouldn't. I've been in close proximity to Gabby Garcia and she is quite intimidating. So I don't know that I'd be up to her and be like, slap hands, bump fists. You a big bitch. Oh, and I'm murdered. (laughs) She has a demeanor that demands authority. And there is a lot to talk about with the rising risen, whatever the fuck they want to call it. I'm going to call it whatever I call it. So if you guys correct me on it, I don't care. Um, but in the same capacity, both of them had dominant wins. Cyborg, and I'll ask you this because I found it fascinating. Were you at all surprised by the way that Cyborg looked completely normal the next day? I mean, not really, no. No, uh, not at all? Sure, Given- she wasn't feeling great, but they got they got a lot of fluids in her. I mean, Kev, I've seen you go from super shitty one day to still super shitty the next day. Mm-hmm. I just feel like even when I can appreciate the the true test that comes with weight cuts, it's still fairly fucking impressive when they, they pull it together and she looked normal and I go, oh, this girl's going to die. <laughs> oh, no. Pink electrolyte water. Mm-hmm. I wonder, that must have been a nice meal. so that was happening there on that side on the risen side and i'll go and and get you a little bit of the information on that side kev um did you see the gabby garcia fight at all uh a little bit i saw her doing some real pounding and then take then she finished the submission right yeah i'll walk you through this okay so how do i punch out the submission yeah 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 
Um, all right, let's start here. First of all, it was the first match of the night. And f- even before that, I was watching the UFC press conference because it's about 11 o'clock here. And at which point they're like, hey, if you guys want to watch it, it's happening in Japan live at this link. And I go, oh, shit, I thought it was happening at 2 a.m. Well, I guess now I'm pot committed. All right, I'll watch you. More different pot pride. And sure enough, they start with Gabby Garcia because I think people know they want to see this first. And Gabby Garcia, you know, it, it starts off as weird as you can imagine it with Gabby walking down super with a real like nice, beautiful song. I think she's going out to see as like unbreakable. And next thing you know, she gets in there and you just see the size differential between her and uh, this American, I mean, her name is, I believe, Yarbrough or something. And sure. the one thing you know about her is she's got a, like a big badonkadonk. So I'm like, I guess that's how they equate it in size. What's the weight difference? Oh, it's 220 and 245? Holy fuck. I don't even like rolling against people who are 245. And I'm closer to 245 than them. But I digress. Uh, so the fight goes on and it goes pretty predictably. And the nice thing about Yarbrough is she was kind of keeping her distance, getting in some good punches, but she was doing something that I thought was a curious choice, which was she was trying to get on the inside, but then she made the decision to try and take Gabby Garcia down. Now, Kev, is that on your list of number one ways to fight Gabby Garcia? Oh, of course. It's oh, okay. right up there next to just walk up with my hands down screaming, dare ya? <laughs> And it looked like when she was like walking up to her, it was not the crouch down and, you know, connect your shoulder to their hip. It was more of a, hey, I'm standing up. Let me see if I can get some double enders. You're here. not winning this fight on the ground. No. So it was a very choice thing. Now, here's the most entertaining aspect I found. And I wrote an article. It's on Rafa Sparza, and it's called The Five Reactions You Have to Watching Gabby Garcia Fight. And I think the most telling was when. Gabby Garcia was starting to work the back and trying to attack the back, but she's in turtle with, um, or she has a uh, Yarbrough in, in turtle. And the minute she was getting an attack on Yarbrough's turtle, the like graphics team goes winner, Gabby Garcia. Didn't wait. There was still a full minute left in the fight before we saw a finish, but they go, eh, Gabby's already won this. So let's get the, the graphics ready. Cause I mean, it's a, it's a done done deal right she's done here sure enough once she transitions over to mount and uh, starts attacking her there gets a very easy americana uh i mean there was really no way out of that so that was the finish on the gabby garcia fight it was about as odd as one could expect so gabby garcia at the very end does a nice thing where she's just like paying tribute to her father and you're like oh this is adorable and then two seconds later draws you in by being like i am the queen of japan and screaming it at people multiple times. And I go, well, we're back to terrifying again. <laughs> so there's your Gabby Garcia update. Shit, a nice moment. The other fighter on the UFC card of note, well, I guess there was two, mm-hmm. but Burrell wins via decision. Yes. He was pretty excited about that. Was yeah. it a, I did, I caught the very end of this fight. That was an okay fight. There was nothing super spectacular. His timing looked a little bit better. It was his first time in the weight class. I thought he looked fine. I didn't think there was anything super significant to talk with you guys all about. You're more than welcome to watch the fight, but um, definitely better than I think the last couple times we've left him. So there there is that to start with. Bearded Bigfoot Silva weirds me out. Super. 
Also, I thought he signed with the Spurs. I guess I just made that up in a there fever you. dream. The beard, though, appears to frame his face nicely for Roy Nelson. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, pummels him. Ref, can you explain to me why Roy Nelson <sighs> kicked Big John McCarthy afterwards? And the joke that was prevailing on the internet was, this is Burger King. Yeah, um... All right, let me explain this. All right, so backstage. Yeah, I mean, granted, funny. Um, All right, so there was some choice uh, middle fingering that happened in the direction of one big John McCarthy. I hate when people middle finger me. Absolutely, Kev. It's it's a poor moment for everybody involved. Um, So Roy Nelson just briefly touched about it in his post-Octagon interview, but then, 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 once we get to the post-presser, uh, he opened up a little bit more. So it turns out backstage, him and uh, Big John were having disagreements over the aspects of knee on belly, Kev. Before now, the fight? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you know when Big John gives the rules behind, like, the in the backstage, he was walking through and he goes, all right, um, so if you get to knee on belly, it's like a positional, transitional stage. So I want you to always make sure if you're in the fight that you're making movements to intelligently defend yourself and you're always trying to advance position. But if you get to knee on belly, it's kind of like it's not really submission. And Roy Nelson goes, yeah, it is. And Big John goes, no, it's not. Now, as much as I would love to err on the side of Big John – Part of me wanted to really start to think about that because I put myself in that position and said, oh, if big country Roy Nelson was putting knee on belly on me. Yeah, that maybe that would yeah. be a submission. So, that. I, I mean, I, I don't really tap to knee on belly. But then again, I never have somebody who looks like they frequent the uh, country buffet and fights for a living. Applying all of that force to and my those stomach. Those are their two favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. So they apparently had some words backstage. So then Roy alluded to the fact a little bit later, once he, he knocked somebody out, AKA Bigfoot Silva, the two of them had been gal palling around the entire week so that when he did knock him out, he's like, you dude, he is my friend and I really don't want to hurt him. And I know when I get a knockout and he was saying that he and Big John, he's like, dude, he's knocked out. And Big John goes, no, he's not fully knocked out. So imagine having that discussion with somebody where you've knocked them down. They're not really putting their hands up and they're just kind of like laying out sprawled. And then all of a sudden you just see Big John going like, nah, you got to do more, got to do more work. And uh, Roy Nelson saying like, I just didn't want to hurt my friend. I know he's got a, he's got a family. He's got kids i just i wouldn't do that to him so i wanted to just let him down easy and that was why i think he was provoked to push him apparently the ufc was like eh whatever we're just gonna follow whatever the commission says which means we don't give a fuck that's amazing they should suspend roy nelson mm-hmm. shouldn't be able to kick the referees um and i get that he wants to exercise caution for his friend so maybe golfing then Roy maybe not ultimate fighting that's just my suggestion I will not be making it to his face ref no uh just to give these Trinaldo wins via TKO over Paul Felder yep Santos loses to Eric Spicely 
<laughs> you okay. should probably look at, I think uh, there's definitely a great submission finish. There's a chain. So if I can implore you guys to go watch, potentially go watch that one. And then Pepe beat De La Torre. Mm-hmm. There was a hell of a lot of fights. Gilbert Burns lost to Brazaris. Ronnie Yah- Yaya yeah. beat Tanaka. Uh, Formesia beat Dustin Ortiz. There's like 9,000 fights on this card. No, it's just the normal ones. It's like a- <laughs> Eric Silva wins via submission over Chagas. There's great tattoos in these, though. Mm. Alan Patrick, decision win over Stevie Ray. <laughs> Vicente Luke, winner over TKO over Hector Urbina. Great shorts. And Gregor Gillespie wins via decision over Gliaco Franca. That was the card I almost had a fever dream completely through. You reminded <laughs> me that it was going on. I was like, oh, yes. God, that's right. <clears throat> <laughs> this is happening. I do appreciate when the only thing that made me laugh was when you go, uh, is there another one? Who can keep all of these straight? And I was like, me? You go, well, uh, who else? Up. Who else can keep <laughs> these fights straight? Kron <laughs> won again using some pretty serious back. And I do like this about Risen. It's 10 5 5, right? On the round, it's a 10 minute opening round followed yes. by two five minute rounds. Yes. Gron loves fighting out there in Risen. Wins it. Big step for jiu-jitsu, I think. I don't really know anything about the other guy's jiu-jitsu pedigree. <laughs> uh, I, okay. Let's let's discuss this, Kev. Um, what Crown did was super impressive. I mean, his back control is among the best. He was attacking. Yeah. He looked very sharp. We always see something a little bit different with Crown each time. Correct, right? He's good. He's evolved. Okay. There was like maybe one area of concern. Go on. Okay. So <clears throat> did you look at the age differences between these guys? No. Oh. All right. If I were to ask you how old you thought Crone's opponent was, what would you tell me? Now that you're asking it like that, I don't twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good guess. That's a really good guess, Kevin. I would say maybe before you do it, I believe his uh, opponent's name was Hideo Tokoro and um, 29. So add 10 more years to that. He's 39. Mm-hmm. Okay. Crone is 28. So <clears throat> it did pose an interesting question, which was this. This guy was fending off as much as he could. And he was doing a good job of defending because Crone is no slouch with his jiu-jitsu. But it made me think one of the big issues that he had was, and they were mentioning this very nicely from the commentary team, who, by the way, were delightful. They were joking and seeming to enjoy themselves. And that's uh, Crazy Horse Herring and some other dude. I forget his name. But they were having a blast. And they were mentioning how this dude needed to get his hips down underneath Crone in order to escape from most of his back retention. So when Crone would have the hooks in, he just wouldn't get out of there. And I think part of that was, well, dude, he's 39. Like, I'm 34. I know what it's like to move my hips, and it's not easy. But, like, you, there's a method doing it. And sometimes you just run out of athleticism when you've got somebody that good at taking your back. And he was able to fend him off for about 9 minutes and 40 seconds. So I guess my question is, Kev, 
what does Crone look like with an opponent who, and maybe I'm just saying things because it's Asian and it's pride, but it's not pride and maybe it's fixed, but probably not. They seem to throw a guy who's a little bit differently skilled. Yeah. And I get it. He's a good draw. You want to set him up with some fun ones to ease him in. But I think we're all ready for Kron to... Let's discuss who he's also lost to, okay? He has lost... Uh, like, just guess how many times. Because he lost to L.C. Davis, and that's super legit. So it's not like he's not challenged himself. But um, just take a ballpark figure of how many times he's lost on his MMA record. Kron? Uh, no. Kron is uh, undefeated yeah. in his MMA. His uh, opponent. I don't know. Ten? Okay, ten is great. Ten is great, Kev. Um, Ten is great, but add eighteen more to that. He's lost twenty-eight times. Yes, so it's thirty-three, twenty-eight, and two. He is consistently high up in all of his numbers. So yes, while he had a great match with LC Davis, um, you know, maybe we want to see Crone get a bigger test on his next one out. And it's not to say that Crone would lose that. It's just. While he's here, maybe maybe throw him some crazy people uh, who would give him some fights that I think would be amazing to see because I think Crone's super talented. So there's that. Kev, I have to relay a couple quick things about this Risen thing, though. Okay. You would love it. You would miss the shit out of this. Do you know why? Why? Oh, it's super prided out. Yeah, Do you want they, me to walk you through how they did a fight between Wandalay Silva and Crocop? Yes. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Let's start with this. Crocop submitted somebody with a head and arm triangle, the choke of the podcast. Cool. Great. But have you really seen Crocop submit a, a ton of people? No. Okay. So it looked a little suspect that he just kind of like glided into that head and arm triangle jerk. So no big deal. But then Wanderlei Silva. Stage? Is that what you're inferring? No, I really no, don't I wouldn't. Listen, it no, like you're... no, I wouldn't say that. Okay. No, I would not say that. I would say Wanderlei Silva just happened to be on the side, ready to be brought into the ring. In the event, maybe it was just like an easy win that they knew could happen, but it wasn't staged. But maybe they knew that there was a good chance that Crow Cop could win in a way that was predetermined. I don't know these things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then what they do is they have the announcer come in and the announcer goes like, yo, do you look at these two legends? And everybody applauds. It's like, would you guys like to see them fight? No one gives a shit, by the way. Everybody loses their shit. Oh, okay. Not only do they lose their shit because we've seen them fight before, but then they're like, yeah. So then the guy with the microphone, who's the announcer, goes over to talk to the main man in charge. And he looks over and he goes, hey, do you know what you think? And the guy like nods his head like up and down he goes, I have great news for you guys. Let's. Well, wait, before I announce anything, would you guys like to see them fight? It's like to double check just to make sure they really want to see these guys fight. So a lot was hanging on the balance for this crowd. Then announced he's like, well, if you want to see him fight, but only if you want to see him fight, then we will have them fight on December 29th. Crowd goes crazy. I would have not been going crazy. I would have been like, nah, I'm good. They're both <laughs> old. Just, just we're we're done else. here, guys, right? <laughs> 
So I've they do it. that, and at the end of it, that's not even detailing the fact that there's another guy named Crazy Horse who basically got the fastest knockout submission in seven seconds. Now, if that sounds weird and you recognize Crazy Horse Barnett, Charles Barnett, if that name sounds familiar, you may have seen a video where Wandele Silva got into a huge backstage brawl in Pride in 2005 and choked the guy out. What you might not know is that a guy, Charles Crazy Horse Barnett, accused Wandele Silva of already getting knocked out when they had jumped. Like they had altered the footage to show Wandy had already been knocked out earlier in the fight, etc., etc. Well, now... Crazy Horse fights one of the guys who's fighting on Wandy's honor earlier in the night. So he fights uh, Wandy's guy. He knocks him out in seven seconds and then proceeds to cut the most amazingly ridiculous promo anybody's ever seen. Calls him Candelay, by the way, like Candy, like, you know, the axe murderer Candy. And uh, calls him out. Then backstage gets into a fight with Wandy back there again. Good. Kev. Nice. Ryzen is crazy. It's, it's the best. It's where fighters go to just, you know, actually fight. Yeah, I mean, they do suck. So, I doing? can't promise you whatever really happens there. So uh, get excited for that or don't. Uh, it's happening <laughs> December 29th. Risen December 29th. It could be the last thing they ever do. could be the start of many. That's the great thing about Risen. So, yeah, um, that on top of uh, Crankshank. Uh, had a great night as well, and uh, they've got a tournament going on, but that's all secondary. It's all theatrics. It's all ridiculous, and yet every single person I've seen post about it today has been like, yes, it's so good. Can't so, turn away. There you I'm go, the guys. queen of Japan. <laughs> all right. That's uh, UFC Fight Night Risen. We're going to talk to Josh Hayden. We're going to talk leg locks. We're going to talk EBI. We're going to talk everything we can, Threats. basically. Josh Hayden. Let's go chat with him. Let's do it. Kev, one of my favorite pastimes on this show is pestering you. And if I can't pester you myself, I like to, I don't know, go to those who I feel who can threaten you, who actually give you some sort of fear in the deep stills of your heart. Yeah, I think I might know what you're referencing. Okay. This week specifically, but go on. Yeah, I don't know why. Do you mind sharing where that motivation comes Absolutely. from? Or? So there was a fun interview I was doing maybe about two weeks ago at EBI 8. And there was a certain Never heard standout. Of it. Is that a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the great part of that joke is it's predicated on Kevin never being on our podcast two podcasts ago. Yep. Don't but remember it. Kev is definitely – Somebody who I had a certain ferocious competitor threaten in an interview, Kev. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, Do you know who the person was who I asked to beat you up? Yes. And that was particularly offensive, I thought, after um, some of the emotional bond I formed with his grappling that evening. (laughs) Well, what if I were to tell you that today we have that gentleman on the line with us? Ladies and gentlemen, please say a very nice verbal tap hello to our good friend, Josh Hayden. Josh, how you doing, man? Good, man. Good, good. Just uh, hanging out at the crib. I mean, Josh, obviously you were one of the nicer people I've met. Um, I knew that when EBI happened, you did such a great performance. I wanted to talk to you. And then I was super surprised that you were super nice because 
anybody that terrifying on the mats, you tend to feel like maybe they're going to be terrifying in human form. But not only are you nice, but then I asked you to threaten my co-host, and you did without even asking why. So yeah, do you, I remember that. Do you often get asked to be an enforcer for people? Uh, sometimes uh, I do, okay. to be honest, every okay. now and then. <laughs> now, you also have, you know, we've been talking a little bit on air, or off air, I should say. You've gotten to know Kevin a little bit. Do you still feel like you want to threaten him? Uh, no, Kevin seems cool. He seems like a cool guy. I take back my my threat, but <laughs> we need to talk Raff, about this. Raff... This is real, Josh. The same day, so I got knee surgery at Advanced <laughs> Orthopedics uh, in October of last year, and super bummer. They informed me at the end, like my three week checkup. They were like, "Hey, we're no longer in network." For your health care. I was like, oh, that sucks. This was great knee surgery. Got the huzzah letter that they're back in network the day of your threat. So I took that as an omen to just keep my distance from you for a little while. I don't want to get too lippy during this interview. I've been to Josh Hayden 7045.com. I know that there's a lot of numbers and leg surfing involved. Okay, so, seventy forty five doesn't even equal a hundred. Just no, so I, I I think I remember what the okay. website was. Rap absolutely uh, sixty eighty surf <laughs> something. Yep. Uh, so uh, Josh Hayden eighty twenty. There it that's, is. That's the better oh, one. That's the one. So Josh, let's start sense. by doing this. Obviously, you had a great performance at EVI. Uh, what was the reception you got when you got back home? I was it was good, man. Uh, I get a lot of hometown love here in Owensboro. You know, uh, I played sports here in Owensboro, so I kind of know a lot of people. It's not a very big community, but you know, it was it was cool, man. I got a lot of I got a lot of friends requests. That was cool. Uh, a lot of good feedback, you know, on the uh, on the on the match. Even though I'm a little disappointed about it, but you know, I feel like it was a pretty pretty awesome match. I mean, obviously, you're going to be more disappointed than the rest of us who watch the matches that you had. And I guess the match in particular you're going to be a little bit more upset with was yours with Gordon Ryan. But, you know, I thought one of the nicest things I did see backstage was they love you. And now we come to find out that you are going to be under the Tom DeBlass affiliation. So it's kind of like your family with them, which I would like to say on behalf of grapplers worldwide is terrifying. Like, if they've got a system that's good at leg locks and you have an overlap with your brand of being able to not only defend but reattack, yeah, I feel like it's too much good jujitsu. Like, I feel like we need to do like a you know when banks break up too big of a business. I feel like that's what's going to happen in jujitsu pre two thousands. I I would echo this because we've talked about the different systems that work or don't work against the the danaher squad and by and large 10th planet hasn't been able to figure it out uh their fighters get sort of decimated you didn't yeah you did not get decimated uh, i'm pretty uh that was uh man uh, i've been playing legs for a long time you know so i've been i've been doing leg locks for i mean since i started you know and uh I've been trading legs with some of the best. I mean, Joe Bays was one of them, and my little brother. They uh, they're pretty, they're pretty 
amazing LA Rocks too. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool. And I'm pretty excited for the evolution of, of my jujitsu and the Lake Rock game and just jujitsu in general with the, with uh, being under Tom DeBlass and with uh, Gordon Ryan and stuff. So that's going to be, that's going to be pretty awesome. It was interesting to watch them have such high regard for you. And I mean, like, I get to see a little bit of a, pre, a peek into how the athletes interact backstage. And it's usually a little bit more quiet. They can be jovial, but you guys had a very festive backstage where, I mean, I kept seeing Gary come up to you. And I swear to God, I was going to stop him from doing this. But he kept being like, yo, man, you were so good. Oh, God. And I was like, Gary, literally, you're fangirling out right now. And you need to, you need to calm your shit, buddy. There's a little leg lock crush. Mm-hmm. Look at that amongst the. So this is sort of how people were about the Baron Bolo a few years ago. <laughs> now it's turned into like leg lock envy. It's adorable. So when that does happen, though, Josh, I mean, like, is it most of your system? Because I know you're attributing it to partners as well. Um, but was it part of the eighty twenty that you were using there? I mean, what was the biggest way that you were able to be so effective in that match with him? Uh, I, I, I know that they know the basic, uh, the basic understanding of, of leg locks and, and where your advantage points are. Uh, cause me and Eddie, Eddie Cummins actually had a, had a conversation about it, you know, keeping, you know, inside control, inside control. And cause if you keep the inside control with the lace and you're probably going to end up with the leg lock or you're also more than likely going to end up in a way better leg lock position than somebody else. And they know that. So, uh, and I know that, so I knew that it was going to be a pretty, pretty awesome match because Gordon took a different approach the first time. Uh, he tried to pass my guard. I think he took it a little lightly, you know. And then I just ended up heel hooking him with the uh, inverted heel hook. But uh, I knew that this one was going to be a little different. And soon as he did exactly what I knew he was going to do. I knew he was going to pull guard, and uh, we was going to be doing some some leg chess. <laughs> Leg chess is a uh, certainly a way you could phrase it. And Absolutely. Have you trademarked that though? Uh, no. All right, we need to get on that real quick, Kev. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and look it up. You call talk the, to him real quick. Call I'm the verbal tap lawyers. I'm on it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your relationship with Eddie Cummins. Uh, me and Eddie, we we had the uh, the first time I ever met Eddie was. I was I went up to this tournament. There's just a small tournament. Mike Mihas or Mr. Jiu Jitsu actually mm-hmm. set these matches up for me. Hit me up on Facebook, and I found out Gary was competing in this tournament in in, in like somewhere in Indianapolis. And uh, and then I get there, and uh, then Eddie calls, and I'm with Mike Mihas, and he he asked if Eddie wanted a uh, if anybody wanted a super fight against Eddie, and I was like, Shh, I'll do I'll go against Gary and Eddie in the same night. And uh, that, that's when the first time I ever went against Eddie. And uh, the first time I ever talked to him, I mean, he's he's awesome. He's a, he's a good, you know, nice stand-up guy. Really, really smart, by the way, if you all haven't talked to him. <laughs> but uh, Despite the company he, he keeps, it. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, um, then I met him at a seminar. He did a seminar down in Gracie, Tampa. You know, we kind of talked and everything like that. He... He actually did a little video endorsing you know, the 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 DVDs and um, and we kind of we just had a little bit of conversation about leg locks. That's about where that's at. I haven't talked to him much since. Yeah, because the thing is, when I saw him do the promo video for you, I thought to myself, I was like, "Is there a bromance here?" Because 
I guess when you just, you know, game respects game, it's one of those things where you see you guys talking to each other and being like, your leg locks are so good. No, your leg locks are so good. I'm like, I will never have these conversations. So I am intrigued as to if that was the entry because he definitely put over your system and the way that you approach it. And he had a huge complimentary style to uh, the kind of game that you play. Um, So like... When that did happen, is that where it is? It's just that mutual respect for one each other's like leg locks. And then, does anything else get mentioned in the conversation you guys have with one another? I guess, I guess it was. You know, we were complimenting each other and everything like that. But, but like we both were kind of more so open to talking about it to try to make it better. You know, and that, that was cool to kind of see because I know that a lot of people that that are really good they have these secret techniques, so to speak. But. uh I'm pretty open about leg locks, and uh, I just want to evolve. That's all, you know. That's what I'm all about. So, and Eddie seemed to be that way too. So it was actually I knew that he he had a system that he actually learned. Now I learned a totally different way and kind of uh, just evolved my game. However, my matches went and just kept evolving and evolving. Then it, then I finally you know kind of realized that I kind of had a systematic approach, you know. So I just gave you know a basic basic gist of it all and and uh. It's pretty pretty cool. So I actually was pretty pretty uh, happy that you know Eddie kind of like he studied me and stuff like that because I didn't know what direction I was going because for like the past four years I've been pretty much doing my own thing. And and we're gonna get to you know your background and how you got through all of this, but I need to stop you real quick because whenever Kevin and I roll. There's never a disclose of information. We go to our respective corners and we don't talk about what the other did well. We just literally make notes of like, fuck that guy. (laughs) Fuck his side control. All right. I'm going to come at him with this. So you're right because a lot of people don't actually share that information. I just found that so interesting and I think that's why – uh, so many people have respect for both of you guys is because not only were you able and willing to share that information – but that it does seem kind of cool that you would take the time to kind of disclose information. You don't hear about it all that often, I guess, is what makes it unique. Yeah. <laughs> and people can learn it. Josh Hayden, 7439. Shut up, Kevin. Sell it right. You're not even making, like, even numbers anymore. Uh Kansas educated. Yeah, all right. Josh, how do you get started in jiu-jitsu? You said you were an athlete. You're obviously... Um, condition for it. How do you transition into jujitsu? What bites you? Uh, uh, honestly, I got into jujitsu because I was being lazy. Because I had hurt my, um, <clears throat> I hurt my ankle in college. I dislocated it pretty bad and had to repair a ligament. No cartilage in it. So it's also kind of funny that I do leg locks too. But <laughs> um, <clears throat> my little brother had been fighting MMA while I was in a, while I went to college and played football. And I didn't think nothing of it. I just thought it was it was just a thing he was gonna do. But then I got after college, I ended up getting fat. I ended up getting like two thirty, two thirty five. It was, and I, I went to I was in college at one eighty. But um, but then you know he he just kept asking me to go in, go in, go in. And I was one of those guys that said, you know, I'll go in whenever I get in shape. I'm sure you guys <laughs> have heard that. Everybody says that, you know. But <clears throat> I ended up just one day. I just he asked me, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gone. Then I went in and been doing it ever since. And now I'm talking to you guys. I mean, that's that's a quick journey. So we're gonna expand that out a little bit more. I have a quote from your brother that says, and you can tell me if this is true or not. He was playing college ball 
and I was doing BJJ. Then I convinced him to do it after he realized his little brother could kick his ass. So <laughs> is that the turning point for you when your brother was just destroying you and you were yeah. like, all right, now I actually get serious about this. Yeah, well, that honestly, yes, that that was. I was uh, I was one of those one of those athletes that uh, was cocky and you know could back it up. You know, as far as on football, you know, on the football field, I was I was a I was a safety, so I mean, I had pretty good good coverage, and I'd just punish everybody. But um, like uh, Jason, Jason, yeah, he ended up reverse heel hooking me, and now when I think about it, I'm like, man, he was being nice to me, and I was just kicking him in his face, kicking him in his face. <laughs> It was, and, and it didn't, you know, but then I realized, I was like, man, I was like, he could have, he could have really hurt me, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't like the old, how it used to be whenever I used to bully my little brother, you know what I mean? Uh, it was definitely different and he had a, you know, a tactical approach and, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, it, talk, let's stay on this because your brother definitely wanted me to, when he asked me and told me these things. Because he was like, well, what are you going to ask him? I was like, well, obviously, I want to hear about his journey. And your brother's like, oh, I've got some stuff for you about that. And I was like, well, please, tell me away. When he started mentioning about this journey for you, I was like, well, you were the little brother. Were they beating you up all the time? And he's like, oh, yeah, they would kick the shit out of me. And at which point when he said (laughs) me, I took a moment and I was like, wait, there's another one of you? Oh, man, Troy. My older brother, Troy, man. He Actually, one of his his videos went viral. Uh, He... Flying triangle, this dude. Uh, it was like his second tournament. I mean, he hadn't been training that long. I don't. He just caught on real fast. I mean, Jay, me and Jason had been playing, uh, training for a couple, maybe about a year. Troy and we were tapping, you know, purple belts, black belts, or whatnot. And uh, Troy, Troy came in, was training for three months, and was submitting us with triangles and triangles all the time. It was crazy. But yeah, uh, I have an older brother, Troy Hayden. He actually doesn't compete in jujitsu anymore, but he, uh, he just he just lifts weights. He decided to get swole. Nope, nope, still nope on all of these things for you guys. First of all, two brothers is already too much because your brother is quite good. And uh, it's funny because, you know, I mean, I know the scene pretty well. So things get back to me very quickly. So I heard your brother and you were at a beach and I heard some great things about the way you guys roll. A lot of people seem to have a nice thing to say about both of you. We're both like, oh, man, they're so good with their legs and their heel hooks. They're so great, but super nice. It was just like, what a, what a great calling card to be like, yeah, we'll smile as we break your leg, but like, we'll also help you get back up after. So your brother tells me this, and he tells me that there's a Tony, and then he shows me this video of, of this triangle choke, which I'm like, that's too much. No wonder your brother got so good so quick. So your brother goes to the army. He does that for a little while. You continue on with BJJ. Like, how does that continue for you guys? You have an eternal training partner in your brother. And does that mean that you guys are literally training all the time? Like, how does that dynamic work? Well, yeah, we were training. Yeah, we trained all the time. We trained at home. We, we would drill at home. We just looked stuff up on YouTube and drill. And, you know, it was, yeah, that's a... Uh, Jason, Jason's, he was, he's crazy. I can't wait till he gets back on the scene. But, uh... But yeah, we we trained every single day until until you talking about Jason going to the military. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, and that's yeah. the other thing I found out is you had not one but two go into the military, and I was like, oh my god, the the list of overachieving by this family might be too much. Yeah, Jason. When Jason went to the military, like 
I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to because I was actually just trying to decide whether I wanted to join the military or not. Mm. But because my brothers were in and I would have been like the first one out of like six generations not to go to the military. It's kind of still that way. But, you know, my brothers, you know, they, they expressed that they're pretty proud of me. I'm not going and doing what I'm doing now. So but uh, I had told Jason, I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to continue to do jiu-jitsu. You go up there. Uh, he, went, he got stationed in Alaska. And I was like, you take over Alaska. And just so I happened at that time, like right after he joined, I won the ADCC trials. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take over China. You go take over Alaska. Well, he wins like the Alaskan State BJJ tournament, <laughs> uh, his weight class and the open weight at Purple Belt two years in a row. You know, then uh, I, I lost it in China. But, you know, it was uh, Lucas Leish and uh, he's pretty awesome. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so it was. It was I'm sorry, was, who? <laughs> is that Lucian Leche? I don't know who he is. That's weird. The chocolate espresso drink? Mm-hmm. It's an espresso, Kevin. I don't remember. Thank you. I'm not ready. You, Josh, you may, you may go on. Yeah, sorry for our <laughs> brief shit. No, you <laughs> But we, you know, we he just kept competing up there. Then, I don't know, I just was like, then after I came back from China, he's still in the military. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to uh, take this opportunity to move down to Florida and uh, train full-time with Gracie Tampa down there, you know, see where that opportunity kind of kind of went. And he was still in the military. Then I ended up opening my own academy. Now it's two academies, and uh, and uh, we're making it happen. Now Jason's out of the military. Now he's training. He's getting ready, you know, so kind of did the groundwork for the family, you know what I mean? That's pretty sweet. With the underlying DNA sample of just, love for grappling it sounds like there's a, a small part the, of that it's like yeah the super it's the it's the super saiyan man super <laughs> saiyan gene i mean we're gonna get to your nerdiness in a little bit so don't don't <laughs> hit him off too soon on this because i i have again inside intel but i love the fact that at your brother i mean does this permeate at like your thanksgiving tables does this continue on when you guys get together with family events do your family just roll your eyes whenever they're like oh god they're just drilling again you know well honestly we hug when like we don't roll a lot at the house because no matter what we always go to the gym and just roll mm. that's usually what we do but we do end up pummeling a lot because you know we uh, don't want each other to have double underhooks you sure. know what I mean? so over is where the hug has to go mm. so sometimes we pummel and then they think we're stupid, but yeah. I can just <laughs> see one of the distant relatives, like uh, an aunt that's not there often, as like one Hayden brother is slamming the other one into the pool out back, and it's like, oh, they'll be done in a few. They're just, <laughs> they're just getting some that's stuff definitely down. how it was growing up. <laughs> well, definitely the aunt's looking over and being like, I don't know, Jason's form. It looked pretty good tonight. <laughs> Troy tosses one of them through a window. It's like, oh, that's going to leave a oh, mark. <laughs> now, Kev, do you have inside intel as well? Uh, about what? I don't have I believe, I believe you have a little inside intel because uh, we found out. I mean, he's already alluded to this a little bit. But I believe we have some intel about the kind of athlete he was all around. Oh, yes. It appears, Josh, with your drill the leg lock success, you bring a certain athleticism to the table as well. You were once a fast person. I've never been fast, ref. 
I, I was remember. fast for one year uh, when I was taller than everybody. And that happened in middle school. It was seventh grade. And then I was done. Awesome. Everybody got faster than me because they grew h- taller than me. But apparently, the rumor on the street was you were amazing at everything. You played basketball enough and you went to state for track for being, and I quote, fast as fuck. <laughs> Jason said that? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, I went. I ran track. I played football. Uh, played basketball. Uh, I didn't play basketball for the team. I just was like somebody said I wasn't gonna like I couldn't. I wasn't good at basketball, so I was like, okay, whatever. So I ended up getting good. Tried out. Got on the basketball team and quit because I I proved my point. But power <laughs> uh, <laughs> move. So Josh is always a bit of a diva. We know he's got like 5% in him. I I love the fact that Josh does it, and he definitely does the Goodwill hunting version of how do you like them apples and like leaves the team. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much how it was. But uh, my main focus really was track and and football. Um, Yeah, I ran ran in middle school. I was on the state track, uh, like the the high school team. Uh, I didn't run, but I was an alternate because I ran – Ten seven uh, hundred meter dash and and uh, uh, with handheld and eleven flat with the hundred meter dash um, in middle school and I, I kept running throughout high school. Uh, I also long jumped oh, 23, 11, 24 feet. Uh, this is that's a big drop off to the next level. I mean, the next people are jumping twenty sixes in the nation, but but I mean uh, that that's uh, that's where I was at with that and uh, and football. I played uh, strong safety. And uh, I ran a four four forty, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm 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 putting all these things together, and it seems to piece together a very nice jujitsu athlete. However, yeah, no Josh, if I can if I can be so bold, you're the reason why I say jujitsu doesn't work. Do you understand what I mean by that? <laughs> I can explain it if you don't. No, no, no. I I do understand that. I do understand that. Okay. So okay. If, I get that. For because the layman's, I rolled with some NFL players in uh. They're like freaks of nature, you know, and they're like the next level freaks of nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. You said you rolled with NFL players? Yeah, a few. Okay. Well, it sounds like you don't want to name names, but I'm going to make you try to do it. I don't have a lot of imposing force here, but all right. Drop me some names if you want to do that. Honestly, I don't know his name. I oh, get out. <laughs> get the- that, honestly, that was it. They, they told me he was in the NFL. That was it. Promise. Otherwise, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's that's a fun story. Well, the reason why I say it fails in this respect is they always tell you this. It's one of my favorite things in jujitsu. They're just like, oh, just use your technique. Technique will always carry over. You're going to be great. And then you learn the technique, and you're like, man, I'm really able to impose a, a nice game against people who are bigger and stronger. The essence of jujitsu. I'm sorry. What does he do a four four in? <laughs> And he played football, and he's safety, and he knows more than me? Well, fuck this guy. Built-in aggression? It's mm-hmm. the gentle art. Yeah. Oh, and he attacks my legs, too, so the things I need to use to pass. Everybody's a winner now. Cool. Okay. Because the fun part is, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, one of my favorite notes I got back was, and this happens every once in a while, especially when I do interviews with athletes. I'm standing right next to you, and people notice the difference in size differentium. And my favorite note I got from my friends back at home was like, they were like, dude, Raph, so he cut weight to be about 185. And I was like, mm-hmm. 
And they're like, he was standing right next to you, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. You guys look very different for 185. And I was like, yeah, we do. It's, uh, one of us looks like we we hold 185 well, and the other one looks like me. So, yeah, I get it. So, yeah, you're the reason why jujitsu, I, I believe, fails in some respects. So, uh, thanks for proving Haleo wrong. I guess that's what I have to tell you right there. Uh, I like that as a just pressure point. It's like you and your leg locks game with your mm-hmm. athleticism, just spitting in the face of this art you've worked your ass off to craft and be good at. <laughs> so I do. This is. Uh, I need to take a quick nerdy jujitsu question. Raph, this one's selfish. Go ahead. But I have Josh Hayden on the line. I'm going to ask him. Mm. How much of your defense when you're fighting no gi josh because you didn't ever look like in you know you fought three game opponents you were never really put in any bad positions like a kimura or an arm bar or anything like that how much of your leg lock game and your no gi defense are mixed or are they separate and you're consciously working them at different times or is just knowing leg locks make you built in really good at defending? Can you elaborate on that for someone trying to steal tips from your game? Uh, well, like honestly, I wasn't. Whenever I first started with leg locks, I mean, I tried to do them from day one. I mean, before I went in the gym, Jason was teaching me leg locks at home, so I'd go in with something, you know, in the gym because the type of gym we trained at was a uh, was a fighters gym. You know, it wasn't the traditional. You know, we're going to teach a lesson and then, you know, for 45 minutes to an hour, then we we drill or whatever. But, you know, we just, it was like, okay, here's how you do an arm bar. All right, five minutes technique, roll for an hour and 45. Mm-hmm. You know, so, awesome. but I, I got, I got destroyed for a long time, like with every single submission before I ever even hit one leg lock, you know. So, uh, I think... My submission defense, uh, I always stay tight anyways because I've been submitted a lot, you know, especially when training. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, with the leg lock game, it definitely helps me because I'm always underneath and I always have a threat that they don't really know about because, you know, sometimes just because shrimp, shrimping might be your defense to, you know, create the distance, but that might not be the best thing for you to do. You know, kind of that thing. That's kind of what I get a lot with leg locks. Okay. That makes sense. No, it does. No, it and that's does. very that's helpful. helpful. Yeah, I was, I was just, I was processing. That. I was like, okay, so it is a well, conscious Kev, defense never forget, to lock attack. The nice part that we always see is we always see the end result on like a big stage for these guys. So it's always the like years of acclimated intelligence and intelligence gathering. Whereas, you know, we don't see the days in the gym where they're like, oh, and uh, hey, I was going for this heel hook, but uh, this transition got got 50 times in like 10 minutes. It was fun. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. And especially from just uh, you just you looked calm. So I guess that does come from like, well, I used to roll with giant murderers for an hour and 45 minutes after a brief (laughs) armbar lesson. So I guess that's yeah. sort of, and that's where you talk about jujitsu. It's like you know, there's, mat time just equates to a certain calmness. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And with the legs, I just know when I'm caught because I don't, I don't get. I've never been hurt by a leg lock. Uh, I've I've been like I had a little tweak before, but I've never been hurt like other people have been hurt that I've seen. And uh, and I just know when I'm caught, and I'll tap right before 
it even gets in. You know what I mean? So yeah. just try to stay a step ahead on that. So I, as long as I know I'm going to tap, there's no reason for me to be stressing. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, not a bad T-shirt in the making, by the way. So I'm going to tap. So, Josh, I like the idea that you, you went through this series of trial and error and you seem to develop your own system from that. Um, one thing I always want to know – it's two questions, so you can answer each of them however you want. But when did you know that you were hooked to jiu-jitsu? And the follow-up question to that is, when did it start to click for you? Because it sounds like through that trial and error, you had to go through a bit to really find what really refined and worked for you. So what were those those two instances like for your own experience? What was the first one again? First one is going to be, uh, it's when did it click for you? And when did you know where you were hooked? Uh, well, I knew when I was I knew I was hooked uh, after after the first tournament. It was uh, I never I never knew there would be a competition side of it. Uh, but then you know Joe Bays was like, "Hey man, you should compete." And I was like, "All right, cool." You know, me and Jason went and competed, and we both won our first you know in the, our intro division, whatever. We heel hooked everybody. Uh, <laughs> that was at a high. <laughs> That was at a highest in tournament, so I was hooked then because like, I don't know, I just missed that. Like, uh, like uh, that's why, like in Owensboro, I, I preach to everybody. You know, these guys that played football that aren't playing, you know, college ball. They're they're done with football, done with any kind of organized sport. You know, you you miss that brotherhood or that family kind of atmosphere. So I kind of, you know, that that's what I like. I love about it. I love about that. And was like, you can compete, and you know, you can't point the finger at anybody. If you lose, it's on you. You know what I mean? So. Uh, that's that's what I love about it, and, uh, and so after the first competition, that's whenever I knew I was hooked. But um, when it clicked for me, I don't I don't know to be honest. Sometimes I still question it. I just continue to do what I'm doing. But uh, ADCC was uh, whenever I won ADCC trials in 2013. It was more so it, I didn't even I wasn't even winning that many tournaments. Uh, I only did like four or five, you know, and. And then I was this, they were Joe Bays and Warren Brooks were like, Hey, you should uh, do the trials, you know, let's see, just see how you do. And I was like, all right, well, cool. And it was like, we think you can win it. All right, sweet. Let's do it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> then, then, I mean, before you know it, I was in this 32 man bracket and they just had all these big names that people were talking about. I don't do research on anybody. I don't care oh, because I just, I don't, I'm not going to let somebody get in my head. And I just know, you know, he's another man. I'm another man. We're going out, out here who taps first loses. You know, so uh, then I won it, and uh, after that, I just, I don't know, losing against Lucas Leish, I kind of was like, you know, I got to figure out, you know, if I want to break that threshold and become one of the best in the world or be able to, you know, not just knock on that door, just, you know, open it and, and you know, be one of the best that I got to evolve. Uh, but that's whenever I started, like, trying to get better, like really trying to analyze my game, see what I need to do. And uh, and change things, but you know some things happened. I was doing that on my own for the past four years, and uh, and this is where I'm at now. So, pretty, uh, it's pretty pretty eventful. Okay, I have to ask the question that I think I don't know that I want the answer to. But how long have you been training jujitsu? Uh, about almost six years now. Okay. Right. Okay, that's a fun story because. Uh, I feel that there are a number of people who train for six years who don't have the level of precision you do. So, first of all, admitted jealousy. Second of all, um, do you feel that? I mean, how do you feel six years into your journey? Because 
I, you know, you hear the Kit Dales and the Nick Gregor artists who do it in four years where they get their black belt in that short of amount of time, you know, just in terms of doing it for six years and you're going up against these monsters and we're going to get to ADCC in a second. But when you're competing at such a high level, how does it feel for you? And is it the competition drive that really like motivates you or is it the self like getting better that fulfills you? Like what is it that drives you? I think honestly, I just know that, you know, we grow the most from, you know, uh, from losing uh, as far as in, in a comp- uh, competition setting. Uh, and I just really want to test where I'm at now. You know what I mean? So, and that's also why I took the EBI, the recent EBI thing, just to see where I see where I was at again against uh, these awesome people. I mean, Gordon's awesome and everything. And, um, but it's just more so because I, I just want to test myself. That's it. Just see what I could do. You know, this guy's supposed to be supposed to be good. Let's see where I'm at. Let's see if he can submit me. Let's see if he can stop me from submitting him. I don't really care what he's done. You know, I just, just, just a test. We have very different approaches to competition. Um, I'm not going to say <laughs> whose is better. I'm just going to let the people decide. <laughs> but I would uh, side on yours. Are you you you're coming off an injury, and this is something you sort of revealed that you had been dealing with some back injury. Always fun when you're trying to move your jujitsu to the next level. Uh, it sucks, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been about it's been almost two years now. I think. Oh, yeah, about two years I've been dealing with it. I I was hurt whenever I went against Rafael Lovato Jr. It was a good match. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah in Texas, was- the Texas Five grappling. Because, I mean, yeah. you and Lovato, I mean, Lovato's no slouch, and uh, you had a great match with him. And you're saying that you're learning from each of these things, so you get to test yourself. I mean, there's very few people who are better to test yourself with. What did you feel that you learned most with your match with Lovato? Uh, I learned that, you know, for one, I need to compete more so outside of uh, – because I – you know, I don't care about point players and stuff like that. I don't really don't care. Uh, you know, you win, it's a game. Everybody knows the rule set before you get into it. If you lose by points, you lost by points, you knew beforehand. But um, I just felt like I could have – I need to play the point game more because that's how – you know, I, I submission guys will open up. We'll let you – that are submission-oriented, and we're just playing, you know, submission only. We'll open up, let you pass, let you do things. You know, but whenever you're just doing it just to pass to get points and stay there, uh, kind of sucks. Uh, that and that's what I felt like how that match was going for me, uh, because it, it was limited. It was limited as far as what I could do. You know, no hill hooks were in that tournament. Uh, so, but I, I learned that I need to evolve my game a little bit more, uh, work on sweeps, and I've been I've been doing that, been wrestling a lot. But of course, the back injuries kind of hindered a lot of things, but. How are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Are you? Oh, I feel I feel good, but I've dealt with a lot of injuries, so it's like pain is kind of like part of part of been part of my life for a long time because of football. I've, I've had a lot of injuries: shoulders, knees, ankles, my neck. I've heard everything, but uh, but like I feel good. I mean, especially uh, getting back into swinging things. I've been training a little bit different. I've changed trained, changed a lot of stuff that I was doing. Um, and I feel a lot better. I felt 100 percent at, at EBI, even though the doctors told me that I probably wouldn't. But uh, you know, it, <laughs> what do they know? it uh, I felt I felt good. So I'm just gonna keep rehabbing the back 
So and I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen because I'm pretty motivated. And uh, that's, that's uh, you know, Jason would tell you that's not really a good thing. It is, but it's not. Yeah, no, no, we get it. You're very good at jujitsu. Um, <laughs> the thing that I wanted to ask you was what helps you in terms of this? Because I mean, Kevin and I are, you know, we're old, but I felt like the thing that we both understand is we have varying degrees of back issues. So what has been the most helpful thing for you in terms of how you've, you've mitigated that back issue? Uh, because it doesn't look like it affects you. So you, you roll quite normally with the way you roll, but I know that the aftermath of that is, oh, God, my back. Yeah. yeah. So as a result um, of that, what have you found that's been successful for you in helping you to get uh, – to strengthen it or to be able to last longer or to be smarter as you train? Yeah, well, like uh, at first I had to – like my weight was in – my weight definitely didn't help it. Mm-hmm. So I had to focus on that. That's why I was pretty excited about EBI because I got the cut. Uh, not just cut. I mean, I, I I cut my diet and stuff like that. It wasn't like water weight, but uh, it uh, the weight weight you know paying attention to what I'm eating and stuff like that 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 definitely helped. But stretching, I never stretch the whole. For, I don't stretch. I'm one of those guys that just goes in. We'll we'll slap bump. Let's go. We'll roll. Mm-hmm. We start. You know, that's how I warm up. It's just rolling. I don't I don't stretch. That that definitely helps. That helped out a lot. I never used to ice, but then, oh, well, you know, I start icing and then it feels better after training and stuff like that. So, I mean, just stretching pretty much stretch. I mean, yeah, cause I have two herniated discs and two pinched nerves and, uh, and I have, uh, so my, my, uh, my disc is, is basically not even there. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's like paper thin. So it's, uh, I guess it's pretty bad to, <laughs> to most people. I, I don't, I don't know. The doctor said that it was. But I feel like uh, I can continue to do what I'm doing as long as I, you know, be smart about it. Be and by be smart about it, he's like you know, just mildly ignore the doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm well, I because mean, he pretty much like honestly, whenever I went in there, I got three three different opinions, and I went and talked to the orthopedic, and uh, I went in there, and he said, "So tell me what's going on." So I gave him the whole spiel, whatever, and then he pretty much was like, "So, uh, well, what's your?" What's your real question? You know, <laughs> what do you really want to ask? And I was like, cortisone and therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, pretty much how that went. So uh, maybe allow me to give an idea here. Maybe what I need you to do is just be my doctor. Let's get you through some doctor schools. I'm like, well, Dr. Hayden says that I'm just fine. He gave me some cortisone shots and these uh, whoop whoop pills, and I'm feeling up. Boy, bueno. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. I mean, I had a lot of personal trainers throughout football and stuff through college, and, and I've just heard of the things that they've, they've recommended and they've thrown at me and everything like that. So, I mean, and I talked to a couple of doctor friends that I knew. <laughs> doctor friends. <laughs> So Kevin has been so intrigued about your, your journey and the way that you do things. I know that Kevin and I both have questions about ADCC, so I'll let Kev start on that. Are your, your training for trials, you're motivated right now? Or are you gearing up to, to compete at the next one? And what's that process? Well, like yeah, man, I definitely, I definitely want to compete in it. But, uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that, that you know, trains full time. Uh, I, I work full time job. I have two kids, so and I'm actually limited on vacation right now. So uh, it just depends on how we can set up the drive to drive up to you know to New Jersey and stuff like that. You know, we got the two academies going, 
So I definitely want to. Uh, it would if I do, it would probably be a last minute decision, like EBI was and and everything else was. <laughs> <laughs> what a week to leave people in suspense. As you get into that home stretch, you're like, is Hayden coming? No. Oh, thank God. Ah, oh, shit. He just signed up. <laughs> we they try to avoid leg lock people. And then it's like, ah, we're all set. Gordon's busy. He's stoned in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> Haven't seen anyone else. He's Just paying Gary Tonin money to go swim in an ocean. You know, the usual Gordon and their nonsense. nonsense. Social mediaing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and Josh, forgive me. I know you had dropped a mention of this in our interview just because you had said it as a differentium. Like you said that as long as I train smart, not like I'm training for MMA. Is there some sort of MMA in the cards? Like, is that something you just teased out subconsciously, or are you just saying, like, oh, I'm not training like an MMA person? Uh, well, I, I plan on doing MMA, but I just know, like, uh, Jason's fought MMA, and I came from MMA school, so I trained a lot of a lot of takedowns, you know, takedowns off the cage and, and you know, with strikes and stuff like that. So it's it's just different. It's a lot different, and you're gonna over, you overexert yourself. Whenever I train, I just I just flow. I just try to flow with people while I'm rolling. You know, open up my game, and uh, and I try not to invert as much. So mm, that's a smart. That bet. definitely helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. which I, I think does take away a few of the ammunitions for the sneaky kind of things that you, everybody <laughs> loves to see. But I would much rather you be healthier, and you know, you do your normal game. I do like that though. Like, how are you managing your neck? Uh, I'm not doing vert as much. <laughs> but okay, but Josh, you didn't answer my question. So you said that, yeah, it's a little bit of dra- a different training. But I, I, the reason I asked this is, I guess now, especially knowing that information is, your brother does MMA. Does that get brought up in conversations? It's like, oh man, you know, Josh, you're so good at all these sports. I mean, you didn't do MMA, but I'm your brother and I have and I'm pretty good at that too, so... I, I plan. I plan on doing MMA. I'm, I'm going to. I have to. I just want to, because like competing in jujitsu, I just wanted to see what I could do. That's all. That's all. Really, initially, I, like whenever I decided, okay, cool, I'm going to compete. I was like, well, you know what? Just, just to test myself. Uh, MMA is. It's going to be the same thing. Uh, and uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. All right. I've been doing a little. Striking. I've been doing some, some, uh, some boxing and Muay Thai. So yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, I can't. That, I can't wait. That's going to be. Well, how far away is that? I don't know, to be honest. Okay. I mean, it could be, could be. I mean, it's 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 a, for sure a year away at okay. least. Well, Kev, so. let's give him the talk. Um, Gary Tonin called Kron out four years before he even thought about it, so he's probably behind mm-hmm. on like getting it out there. <sighs> Here's the thing that we like to tell people, and and it's the same thing we told Gary, which is this, Josh. Kevin and I, we have an MMA jiu-jitsu podcast. We love MMA. Love, 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 love it. But we don't love when we lose our favorite jiu-jitsu people to MMA. So we need – we know you can do both. We're absolutely advocating if you're going to do both, do both. I just know that we've lost McKenzie. We're slowly losing Lovato. Because Lovato's just like, yo, if there's a fight to win that's going to pay me cash money, I'm there. But we've also seen, I mean, Kev, the list goes on and on. You've got Hodger. You've got, uh, what was it, Rodrigo. I mean, again, 
Hodolfo's been talking about. It's, yes. We're losing people. Yes. So Man. you go do what you want to do, but just know you will have to answer to us on this podcast and our fans and your friends and your family if we lose you to MMA because – I just I know that look on your face. If you give the people what they want, which is a great, exciting match or a fight or a knockout or a heel hook submission, you're going to see those bright lights. You're going to see those $1,000 cash prizes for the amateur circuit. The cage girls are going to come in. Absolutely. Josh, Josh. We're going to woo you with claims of grandeur. And Kevin and I are just going to be sitting here being like, well, we were supposed to learn how to do cool shit from Josh. So that is the talk we give people. We call. It's just busy. We were mm-hmm. supposed to interview him. He won't answer. You guys can help me be accountable. I'm not going to leave the submission grappling scene or the jiu-jitsu scene. I mean, I might do MMA, but I mean, I'm not, not going to leave the scene. You Josh. know what I mean? You are you are adorable with the way you sneak these ones in. I I am currently like you didn't answer the MMA question. Then when I ask you about, it, you're like, oh no, I'm not leaving you. I love submission grappling, but I might do some MMA. You know. Speaking of that, though, a lot of people are in this love affair with submission only grappling. Where do you see yourself in that? Are you a submission only guy? I know you talked a little bit about points, but what is your ideal rule set and why? Uh, I like. I like this submission only because, you know, you're not you're getting people engaging, and I and I I'm not satisfied unless I win by a submission. You know, if somebody survives, like you know, I I get them is I'll get it close, they get out, whatever. We he gets up, uh, or I went on points, so I didn't submit him, so he pretty much won. In my opinion, it's it's a draw every time, or the guy that defended, you know, defense is is jujitsu too. So, but I I like submission only. but I'm not gonna work on that specifically. I always go for the submission regardless. But I'm just I'm just gonna mesh the whole mesh it together and just hopefully have a an awesome game wherever. I don't I don't really care. I still plan on doing some IBJF later. Um, I want to be able to do that. I got some goals with that. So at black belt and in the gi. So there's a lot there's a lot in store for us as far as competition for me, not Ooh. just submission only. Kev, when do we see him in the gi? Uh, I'm ready for it already. It's mm. the first guy you can see he's going to heel hook the shit out of someone. Like, hey, <laughs> let that go. I don't even like, I don't even do leg locks in the gi, really, honestly. I just, uh, I just choke people and sweep them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. Nobody wants to see any of that. <laughs> I game. So we found out this and we're very excited Kev, did we find out that Josh has recently gotten some new sponsorship? Not just some, any new sponsor. Mm. He's going to be rocking some Phalanx. Uh, and I'm on the website, phalanxfc.com, looking mm-hmm. at the men's collection. We've got some and serious Kev. rash guard game. People have got to be checking this out. This is uh, the moment when Kevin likes to pimp out for his own apparel. Shorts. Anything you're looking at in particular, Kevin? uh, Yes, the Hope Light Shorts (laughs) 2.0. I think have a lot of, uh, along with the Soldier 1.2.0 Rash Guard, I think it's a good Mm -hmm. combo. We're not above some blatant marketing and promotion here, guys. So uh, Phalanx, obviously a great sponsor. But up until then, you know, we didn't hear a ton of sponsors being mentioned for you. Josh, so 
Kevin and I, we get concerned because we love good grapplers. We think they need to be able to make a living. Sometimes jujitsu doesn't give the monies. So we like to play a game that's called, uh, you know, uh, basically, let's get this person sponsored. And while Phalanx is awesome, you can also take sponsorships from other places. So, Kev, let's list some reasons why people would be smart to go ahead and sponsor our good friend Josh Hayden. I'm going to let you lead off. Well, first of all, he's already opened the door for a lot of numbers mm-hmm. usage. Mm. It could be like, hey, 80-20 leg locks. Now learn about his 60-40 protein supplement system. Uh-oh. So <laughs> there's a lot of pre-built-in percentages you can deal with, and I think that's very helpful for the nutrition aspect. Absolutely. That goes into my second point, which would be this. For Josh especially, Josh, he can be any weight that you want. Apparently. Josh is a fat kid at heart. <laughs> He loves himself some soda. He's one of the few people who's ever told me off air that when he finishes training, he also has a soda because I have been known to do that on occasion. Do I understand it's detrimental to my health? Absolutely. But you know what? If Josh can do it, it makes me believe that in some parallel universe, a fat, dumb idiot at jiu-jitsu like myself might be able to make it to where Josh is and then lose to him via heel hook immediately thereafter. However, I would be in the conversation. Yeah, a good organic cola. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we should open that up. Maybe. Also, we're not opposed to it. If we could get him sponsored by Pepsi or Coke, we don't really care who yeah, it is. That would work too. I was just trying I to mean, make it. I mean, Mountain Dew Code Red, if you're in here too, we're all in this. I mean, Josh, do you have a preference? I like Mountain Dew Code Red. You know, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, this is your chance to like. Mountain aim Dew the would break kid. into the jujitsu world in a heartbeat. Absolutely. They... I just want to be sponsored specifically by a cherry Coke. That's oh, it. my cherry Coke. <laughs> cherry Coke. That's it. Josh, do me a favor. Do <laughs> you get Coke's the diet the cherry, or do you just get the cherry Coke? No, I just get cherry Coke. Oh, the super fucking one too. Yeah, oh. I don't mess around. I know you don't. I can see those cards <laughs> happening, my friend. I don't mess around. Uh, Kev, what's yeah. the next reason somebody should sponsor Josh Hayden? Uh, fresh face. Mm. You know, not going to hurt to put him on the side of a product here. As you already mentioned, just give him a few days to cut some weight before the shoot. You know, he's ready. He's but you know, not... Kev, he's got that baby face, you know? People are going to buy that. Marketing on just about any kind of promotional appearances. Intense. Absolutely. And he's able to go from intense to like, oh, I just heel hooked you. Oh, look at me. I'm adorable. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the fourth reason why uh, you should sponsor Josh Hayden. And this is an important one, guys. Nice as fuck or nice AF. Because Josh is one of those guys who I don't know that this happens a ton with athletes. And I'll go ahead and reveal a little bit and I'll put him on the spot. Josh is one of the few athletes when I'm like, yo, dude, are you able to do uh, the podcast at this time? He's like, yeah, end of conversation. I'm like, all right, cool. We've gotten a cord. Then follows up maybe about two seconds later with, but how are you doing? And I'm like, who gives a fuck how I'm doing? Why are you nice to me? No, no athlete's supposed to care how I am. That's the kind of uh, nice person that you get on there. Somebody who's going to do business with you who's also upstanding, great at jujitsu, but happens to be a pretty good human being. I mean, his brother aside and what his claims are about Josh, I mean – Pretty up there. I mean, granted, his brother Jason might say that he was uh, the kind of rebel who didn't listen to his parents when he was a kid, but that's neither here nor there, people. Kev, what's the fifth and final reason people should sponsor Josh Hayden? 
Uh, yeah, and I just want to, you know, sometimes as an advertising firm, you get nervous. It's like I don't want to put all my eggs in in this one basket because what if people really start to like the Hayden face? He's got so many brothers. Just oh, plug yeah. and play. Like I, I think that really brings it to the table. In it's terms a three of, for one. Yeah, just if his brothers buy the product alone, mm. just to kind of match along, you're set to go. So really, you just send him a box, and you've got three Haydens for the price of one. That's and that's just three Haydens. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me ask this real quick, Josh. You're Filipino, right? Yeah, yeah. You would have ownership to all of the Philippines. Think about that. Do you know how many Filipinos are in a family? There's a lot of Filipinos in the family. That's what I'm saying. You corner that market, my friends. Those are five reasons. And I think they're pretty compelling reasons, if you ask myself, Kevin or Josh, on this podcast, that you should sponsor him. And not just sponsor him, but you should also get behind his 80-20 program. Uh, so, Josh, tell us a little bit about how you came to create that. And w- not just where did it come from, but what's the response been like? Uh it uh it took a it took a while to kind of come up with the system systematic approach but it's a it's a one two punch i mean it's a easy step by step leg lock system uh but the feedback's been awesome i've had a, a, a everybody's messaged me and you know told me that they love the system that they've been you know they went from tapping you know nobody to tapping all the high level purple belts or you know cleaning up tournaments and stuff like that so I mean, we got we got a lot of good feedback on it um a, people have told me that you know it's it's a it's not too complex it's straight to the point and uh and it's the quality of the instruction is pretty good so we've got a lot of, a lot of good feedback I'm, I'm i'm glad that you know people have you know invested in it and uh and have been able to apply and actually be able to submit some people with it so because i know a lot of people try to explain leg locks and they don't even give they just <laughs> okay you do this then you do that you know that's a that's not not any way for anybody to learn anything. <laughs> now you said the word easy and I'm a little apprehensive of that word. Your easy and my easy are two different things. Like, Hey Raf, run this 40. Mm, nah. <laughs> Define easy uh, because we're intrigued and, uh, I may have an idea for you, Kev. Go on. Well, so, Easy. I mean, easy. Okay, like you just gonna you just you start out in this one position, then you go to this, then you do that, then you do this, then you do that. Um, and we actually in the DVD we cover a lot of leg lock positions. Even, I mean, from the knee knot or the honey hole or the inside senkaku and all that, all that stuff. Now, different kind of terminology because I didn't learn that. You know, <laughs> I just was doing stuff and named it this or heard it from this guy and said this, but. Um, you know, and, and it's like a flow drill. You can basically go through the whole system, and you can feel the checkmate points, and you know, with your partner stuff like that. Let go, catch, release, go back into another position, into another position, all the way through the whole leg lock system. So. Okay, all right. I'll put this out there for you, Josh. You tell me if you're uh, amicable to this sort of thing. We do a fun thing on the show where I'll do something for 30 days. I'd be happy to do your program. But here's the problem. I'm not good at leg locks. Kevin, can you affirm that? Yeah, he's not. Yeah, there we go. That Don't get – no, just – you can stop at that point. You don't really need to. not good. You can – so I think the him. audience is very – I mean, here's the problem, Josh. Of the two of us, I'm the better leg lock guy. So if that tells you anything, it tells you nothing. So what we can do is we can do a 30-day – I'll do it 
and we'll see how easy it is because I think you can prove a point if an idiot like me uses it and I understand how to do it. Would that be something you'd be interested in? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Of course. I'd, anybody, you could do it. Because mm. there's not, I mean, once he fills, you fill these positions in the, in the lace and in the lock and the hill hook. I'll be, you'll, you'll tap some dudes. First of all, I love that you explained it like Bill Cosby. First you get the leg and the luck and you get the ashi and the, <laughs> oh, and then you put the pills. Actually, that would actually work for me. Um, I find that very interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that more off air. Um, Kev, would you like to know another interesting fact before we start to wind this down about our good friend, Mr. Josh Hayne? Yes. What if I were to tell you, because we alluded to him being a nerd, I'm going to let him explain what kind of a nerd he is before i out him out on it um josh what kind of a nerd are you like what are your nerd credibility statements um for the horde it's a world of warcraft reference Mm -hmm. that's what i (laughs) thought uh, what would happen okay go on uh, the world of warcraft is awesome for one uh uh I like, I've played I mean, Halo, Halo. I like uh, Dragon Ball Z, Goku for president, always. <laughs> you know, <laughs> are those your biggest claims to being a nerd? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, okay. for the most part. Okay. I haven't been able to touch any video games. I can't wait till Gears of War Four comes out. That's gonna be dope. <laughs> I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna go to the midnight release for sure. I man. I believe that with you. I heard that you were a gamer. I don't game. I don't understand it. So that's fine. I'm glad you do. But I I do understand competitive value. Is that also a realm in which you were highly competitive? Oh, yeah, for sure. Jason and uh, my older brother, Troy, have always murdered me at every video game. But they, I mean, they they played with pros. uh, But, you know, so I kind of leached off of them and got some good gaming techniques you know, we can do some gaming privates if you want, but you got to go, oh, Jason. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been offered a no. gaming private. <laughs> Jason's better at it. I tell you, man, 1v1 on Guardian, Halo 3, a lot a lot of those. A lot of those. That's some that's some good good stuff. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Um, obviously, it's great to hear that you are you are a big gamer. Obviously, it's another area for there. We also, before we get you off here, we want to mention your brother Jason is doing fight to win. Um, I have a question for you about that, but why don't you talk him up a little bit? Tell us what who he's fighting and where he's fighting at. Um, he's. I think it's in it's in Tampa. I think so. To be honest, I haven't really did a lot of. I, I just know he's going to the tournament. Um, I don't know who the guy Jason's going against. Uh, like I said, we don't really. I don't. I, Jason might do research on people. I I don't. But um, <laughs> but Jason's. Uh, Have you ever thought about doing research? Because you know you can. You know the internet exists. Like there's a yeah. thing called YouTube. It's not really hard. You can be on the shitter and you can look at people doing jujitsu and maybe that might help. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I just I just feel like you know they should look me up and worry about what I'm gonna do. You know, that's that's what they're going to do. If they're doing that, then I'm already a step ahead. That's how I feel. Well, um, I guess the follow-up question I have, obviously your brother is fighting at uh, the Fight to Win Tampa that's going down on October 1st, I believe. Uh, so next weekend, we're very excited. But I need to know your thoughts on his mustache. Uh, <laughs> he's my little brother, so I like it because he likes it, whatever, I get it. Um, so he's just my stupid little brother to me. I love him, you know, but... I. 
it's his mustache. Well, the reason why I need to ask you this is because your brother and I are in a fight, and I don't know if he's talked with you about this. But we're we're having real issues. So we filmed the thing. We did the interview with you. It unfortunately dropped out, and I I couldn't color correct the way our frame was looking. It was just terrible looking. And I remembered your brother had actually filmed us, and he had a copy of it. So I very nicely contacted you. Your brother got in touch with me. And your brother started this, what I like to call a nice-off, which is where you're overtly nice to the human being to the point where he stopped by saying, he's like, Raph, you're the man. I was like, no, clearly, you helped me out. You are the man. And he's like, no, you are. And I'm like, listen, dude, we're fighting now. And it got to the point where we're having a nice-off. And he's like, dude... And he he jumped the gun. He showed me footage of him heel hooking somebody in an MMA fight. And I kid you not, Josh, on this. I know you've seen this. But when your brother heel hooked this guy, he literally made the guy do what I call the pro wrestling tap out, where it's like highly super exaggerated and like majorly like in rithering pain. And I'm like, no, that's for real. All right. And I, I tell Jason, I'm like, all right, Jason, if that's the case, I hope you forgot one thing, which is this. I have an enforcer now. His name's your brother. <laughs> so don't make me sick your brother on you. So will you enforce for me because you have binding agreement via video? Uh, will you take yeah. out your brother on behalf of me and then tell him, no, you're nicer than Raph? Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. I actually, we. it was funny because before EBI, uh, me and Jason did a match in, in the gym because he had let me win this tournament uh, before he went to the military. And uh, we did a match, and I got him, so we'll release a video for you. That's for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I've never had anybody and dedicate I'll do a match again. for me. <laughs> and I'll do it again. I, I got your back, Raph. Okay, cool. And I know that you've, you've gotten along with Kevin here, but we're still good on you beating the shit this out of Kevin. This is ridiculous. Right? This whole partnership is ridiculous. Shut up, Kevin. This is, all, this is all great. I have an enforcer now. He is the Brock Lesnar to my Paul Heyman, and we're going to call out people, and we're going to fucking run this world because if people like Gordon, Ryan, are calling out people, we need to give my man Josh some, uh, some people. So, who, Kev, name a name. Who should we call out right now? AJ Agazar. AJ Agazar. Whatever, dude. Your hair's not that pretty. Neither are your Josh abs. has a better smile than you. Yeah. Name somebody else, Kevin. Let's let's get this going. Let's get him some super fights. Right now? You just yeah, yeah. Name some names. Okay. I'll keep naming names. Let's not alternate. Uh, I'd watch some Justin Raider. I'd watch some Jeff Glover. Hold on. Justin Raider, whatever, dude. You're wrestling? What? It's pretty good. But, like, you think that you can go one-on-one? With Josh Hayden, I mean, you probably could, but I'll tell you one thing that Josh has that you don't. A killer smile. It's got a baby face assassin. We're going to go with that. Who was the next one? Jeff Glover? Yeah. Jeff Glover? Yo, dude, I heard you were doing donkey guard. That's all nice and shit, dude. I know that you fly right into heel hooks, which my man Josh Hayden does. So yeah, do that. Do that donkey guard. Bring that shit, man. Wait, Josh, you can tell me at any time if I can stop. No, you're good. I okay. Don't, okay. Don't, I don't, it don't bother me. All right, I'm just making sure. All right. Kev, is that pretty good or should we do one more? Right. You're pretty well set. All right. I, I think we've, we've done it. Well, listen, Josh, here's the thing. 
you're a delight. We're very happy that you came on the podcast because uh, I feel that people not only did they love what you were doing before EBI, but I really want you to understand what a nice pivotal moment and, and turning moment in your jiu-jitsu career this will probably be because um, you provided some of the biggest excitement on a night that was already exciting. So to stand out in that such a way, uh, we look forward to seeing what's coming up for you next. You're a gamer. You love competing. And better than watching somebody who loves competing is somebody who is willing to exchange that kind of information like with your Eddie Cummings and make the sport better. So on behalf of people who watch that sort of stuff and appreciate that, we just want to say thank you for that. No problem. Thank you, man. I appreciate it every day. Uh, Not a problem. Well, Kev, do you have any last things that you want to say to the person who's going to break your leg? Josh Hayden, 2594.com. <laughs> You can also attack legs like him. (laughs) I have no idea why he has agreed to be your enforcer, and I stand firmly in opposition. I don't question it. I think it's it's beautiful. I think that he cupcakes or like a queso. He shares my vision, I think, is what it comes down to, Kev. And I think I've always needed an enforcer like him. You've never needed one, and I don't know what vision you're talking about. Absolutely. We share a vision of submission only taking over the world. You wouldn't understand because you don't like sub only. You're like points. I am a big, yeah. I just like, you know, if you could go for a risky sweep or you could keep your half point advantage, keep the advantage. That's just how I feel. (laughs) Where I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like a good two to four. That's uh, going to do it for us today as we head into some shout outs. I'll start Mr. Forbes or Coach Will, as we call him in the jiu-jitsu realm, Raf. Birthday was there Friday night. Uh, his family started to show up. I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, it's my birthday. We're all going out to dinner. It's like, so you're here training on a Friday night before you guys all awesome. Jiu-jitsu people are crazy unbelievable classes out there this week um between will professor jubera teaching a lot of good deep half stuff and some different things that set into some leg locks raf helping with my leg lock academy we were working from ashi unbelievable on the sweeps uh it's all starting to come together and got to throw in some nogi fridays so i'm excited that's gonna do it for me uh, let's start with a big shout out to our good friends at Valley Martial Arts Center. VMAC. Great training happened today. I want a big, big shout out that is going to be sent to our good friend Cole Franson. Now, here's the thing. Know this name very well, people, because it's not like beating the shit out of me is hard, but Cole did it in such a classy way with such great technique. He's going to be competing in the Canadian Kumite. And uh, Kev, you know who else is competing in the Canadian Kumite? Jean-Claude Van Damme. Nope, nope. Nope. That's not how that goes. We wish it was. Weatherhead? Uh, no, but he's one of our good friends, and we want to send a big shout-out to him. He, uh, By the way, sends his regards, says our podcast last week was his favorite of all time. Hey, that's not bad. So good stuff there. We did our uh, Gary Tonin live listening and watching of uh, the massacre that was the Grappling Pro rules. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, Cole Franson, he's going to be competing in the Canadian Kumite against people like, I don't know, Steven Martinez. 
And uh, I don't know if you know this about uh, our good friend uh, Cole. Cole's about a buck forty, and Stephen Martinez is all of the weight in the world. Just pressure wise, I don't want to call him fat because otherwise he'll murder me. Um, no, no, not at all. Just tiny, <laughs> tiny dude. So anyway, uh, he came through. He was so helpful with all the guys today. Um, really, just great jujitsu. Uh, at one point, I. I didn't dare him to get a submission on me, but I told him how hard it was to guillotine me, and I'll be damned if that asshole wasn't going to try and take my head off with a guillotine for the rest of the day. So, thanks, Cole. Uh, let's go ahead and send a shout-out to our good friends at the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club. Eric and Joey, training such crazy training. Um, obviously, as we continue to get a little bit more deeper, we're going to resume a little bit of our uh, Josh Rader Hybrid pro wrestling, not pro wrestling, a hybrid wrestling challenge uh, coming up for the rest of this week. If it was pro wrestling, though, that would be even better. Um, it's great stuff going on that way. And uh, also to you guys who are listening in, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to our shows. We've been so happy with the responses we've been getting. You guys made a big, big uh, impression on my Gabby Garcia article that we put up, the five responses you have to watching Gabby Garcia fight. So I just want to thank all of you who shared that. Great numbers and Jesus, I, I surprised myself uh, by seeing those when I saw all those people sharing it. So I'm very, very humbled by that. And um, look out for more good stuff coming that way, including we just did a companion podcast to the uh, Clash of Champions on the WWE on our spinoff heel section, the pro wrestling podcast. So if you guys want to hear a little bit of that, you are more than welcome to do that. You can catch that at Rafa Sparza as well. And I believe that, my friend, will do it for me. That'll do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night. And good fight. Can't believe Josh is helping you. Oh, no, dude. I told you, dude. He was really going to be my enforcer, man.